Media Day, and I pick three of the biggest storylines. Brad Stevens talks about the Drew Holiday trade. Joe Mazzulla talks about evolving and injured guys previously talk about their injuries. I'm going to talk about it all right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corrales above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Green and Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics, pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast, right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day, and I'm here for you every Monday through Friday, plus bonus podcasts when the Celtics play on the weekends. So make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcast. Would love to hear you, uh, see you, I should say, on the YouTube page in the comment section. Subscribe there as well. I'm John Corrales. I used to play back in the day. Now I cover the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. Today, it's all about media day. I was at media day at the Auerbach Center in Boston. Got to see a lot of the guys, most of the guys. Not Drew Holiday, though. He did not talk because the trade is not officially official official. So uh, we're waiting on Rob and Malcolm to get out to Portland and to uh, get their physicals done. Uh, waiting for Drew Holiday to get his physical done in Boston. That's probably done by now. So whenever that's done, Drew will talk to all of us. So that'll be a separate podcast. Right now, I'm going to be talking about uh, later on the injuries, Jason Tatum, Kristaps Porzingis, uh, Joe Mazzulla talking about evolving. Reinventing is the word that he used. But let's just start with Brad Stevens on the Drew Holiday trade. He talked a little bit about uh, making the deal. And we got a little bit of insight as to how the Celtics kind of were ready to pounce once it was clear that holiday would be the, in the trade and that would then become available. As time went on, I think we all became a little bit more, um, inquis or wondering if Portland was going to end up getting somebody that they would then move on from as a result of getting a uh, moving Dame. And so we had like a, we were monitoring it like the rest of the league to be candid. We, we knew kind of the, the numbers that had to match. So you had a list of guys that might be in those type of deals that you might be interested. So you have to stay flexible and ready and all that. Um, you know, I think that um, when it became Drew, it was like, you know, it's, it's never ideal timing right before training camp. Uh, but at the same time, this is a guy that you want on your team whenever you can get him. Brad, uh, with Drew, you paid a substantial price, like multiple picks, important players. Most of the trades you've made so far, it was generally like one pick or like one player. So what made you want to go this deep into like this big of a trade? And is this something you've been kind of preparing for? Or is it going that deep into a trade was something that kind of caught you guys by surprise? got to pay a good price for things, right? Like, that's the way it goes. We're trying to win a championship, We're trying to be as good as we can be. Um, we we certainly did, and, and you know, um, two picks and two good players, and um, that is that is a, 
a real price. And, um, but that's how good we think Drew is. That was the overarching theme, that last bit there at Media Day. Everybody was a little bit sad um, about Marcus being gone and Grant and Rob and Malcolm. Uh, I think it was, uh, you know, the guys understood, though, that this was the, the price you have to pay to get the guys that you have. And even if you heard, like, Jay, uh, Jason Tatum talk about uh, he was on that uh, Cold as Balls uh, show with uh, Kevin Hart. And he said it there. He's like, it's, I'm excited and also sad. And it's just how the NBA works. Everybody understands that once the season is over, you look around that locker room, it is not going to be the same next year. It's just not. And I think everybody just kind of chalks it up to, man, this sucks. We like Rob. We like smart. Uh, we like these guys, but Here's Drew Holiday. Here's Christoph Porzingis. And, you know, Al Horford talks about Porzingis and says, that dude is legitimately 7'3", maybe taller. Uh, and he, he you know, misses Rob as much as anybody. He's, like, one of Rob's biggest fans on the team. But he understands, like, the way it goes. Like, we know Rob's going to be okay. Uh, he he gets it. And we all get it. So I, I think Brad Stevens understood that you got to do what you got to do. And I think I, I picked it up where I did because uh, I, I think it, it does set up how Boston approaches this, right? How teams approach this. As time went on, I think we all became a little bit more inquisitive, wondering if Portland was going to end up getting somebody that they, that they would then move on from. So it's not that Boston was in on the Dame trade. It was Boston sitting there saying, okay, we know Damian Lillard's going to move. We know we're not going to be the team that gets him, but let's just kind of watch this and see, is this going to be a three-team deal? Is it going to be a four-team deal? Is it? Do you move in? You know, The Celtics, they could have looped the Celtics in and made this a four-team deal, but there was no way Portland was, I mean, uh, Milwaukee was ever going to agree to a deal that said, oh yeah, we're going to reroute Drew Holiday through Boston. That was the one thing they wanted to avoid. Uh, and, and you know what? Tomorrow I'll talk about that a little bit more. But the 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 interest that the Celtics had and monitoring it like the rest of the league. And what he said, to be candid, we kind of knew the numbers that had that had to match. That right there tells you, it's like, okay, if if it's Holiday. We can get them, but this will be the price. And everybody's talking, and you're talking to the owners about, hey, this team's about to get really, really expensive. Are you willing to pay this tax bill? Because we keep talking about second apron. We keep talking about all that stuff. The Celtics are way over the tax at this point, and they're not done building this team. The, the Celtics tax bill, I have been critical of the ownership group. Other guests of mine have been critical of the ownership group, but let it be known that when they know they have a contender, they are very willing to pay the tax. Now, maybe we can talk about 
they will wait an extra season or so before they they get into that tax. There's that middle ground where some teams might say, hey, you know what, let's pay the tax now. Let's get to that point. We can have that debate at another time, 10 years from now when the Celtics are back at that point. But when the Celtics know we've got a contender, those guys will pay the tax. So all of this talk, all of these comments in the YouTube section about the owners are cheap. They're always so cheap. They are not being cheap. This team is over the second apron. They will be significantly over the second apron. This is a super expensive team. The Celtics ownership group will spend well over $200 million to, uh, to, to pay the, the salaries and the taxes and all of that stuff. They know the price. They know the price they had to pay in dollars. They know the price they had to pay in players. They knew that what Portland was looking for was not the poo-poo platter, as John Hollinger put it on The Athletic. And hey, credit to Hollinger. He's looking for all of the ways that the Celtics could do a deal for uh, Porzingis. I looked, I mean, uh, for, for Holiday. I looked for the same deals. Everybody who was in analyzing this stuff looked for the same deals that in in Hollinger brought up the, the Blake Griffin sign and trade great idea, but that's not what Portland ultimately wanted. They wanted flippable guys, Malcolm Brogdon. I don't think he plays a single game for Portland. He shouldn't, they should turn around. They should go to the LA Clippers and say, Hey, what do you, what do you got for me for uh one uh, unused Malcolm Brogdon fresh out of the package? And and just flip them there. Robert Williams, are you going to keep him? Or are you going to move on from him? Maybe, maybe Rob, they keep until the trade deadline. We'll see. But point is, we knew, the Celtics knew, the front office knew, Portland's going to want something big in return. That's why I was saying all along, I wouldn't do the deal because I love Robert Williams and I wanted to keep Robert Williams in, in Boston. That's I don't think that's uh, outrageous for anybody to say. I wanted Robert Williams, Al Horford, Kristaps Porzingis. I think it's a great front line. I think that's part of an elite defense. And But the Celtics love Holiday. The Celtics love Drew Holiday. And that's the bottom line here. That's the stone-cold Steve Austin bottom line because Brad Stevens said so. They love Holiday so much that they are willing to give up Robert Williams and that Golden State pick and their unprotected pick in 29, and Malcolm Brogdon. Um, they, they just knew that when when Holiday became available, he's a guy worth going for. He's the guy worth paying the big price for. I didn't value Holiday as high as Brad Stevens does. Brad Stevens values Drew Holiday incredibly, incredibly. So... That's why he was willing to make the deal. And he said flat out in a separate quote, it's Holiday is the kind of guy and the only kind of guy that you trade Robert Williams for. And that's that's that. So that's why that deal was done. That The Celtics were watching the trade. They were watching for an offshoot. They were watching for somebody to be flipped by Portland. They got it. Credit to Portland for playing it this way. Great, great, great for them for playing it this way. They made out better than anything they would have gotten from Miami. Boston was not going to be in a rush to to go after Tyler Hero. I don't know if anybody else was, um, but I don't think it would have been this kind of rush. Portland created this arms race. 
They made it work. They made it happen. Um, kudos to them. That's how you're supposed to do business. And Brad said, it's expensive, but I love it. I love Drew Holiday, so I'm going for him. And he did. Up next, the next big storyline here that's not, I don't think, as popular out there. I don't see it a ton, but it's Joe Missoula and his progression. That's a big storyline for the Celtics this year. And he talks about reinventing himself. That's going to be a quote that you're going to hear next. First, today's show is brought to you by Ibotta. It's football season. You are knee-deep. I know Patriots fans, you might want to drown your sorrows and stuff. So you can get pizza and wings and maybe something else to, to drown your sorrows. Uh, whatever you prefer at your tailgate, go out and get your cash back with every purchase with Ibotta. It gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're buying. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after your shop. Get your cash back. Super easy. The average Ibotta user earns $100 a year. That's big money. You can cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you can get your cash back uh, to help pay for a flight that you've been eyeing or, you know, a, a dinner or something. Other apps give you points that don't amount to nothing. With Ibotta, you get real cash money back that goes into your bank account, into a PayPal account, or onto a gift card. So you can earn ha your cash back on hundreds of online brands like retailers, uh, Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy. Go download the Ibotta app right now. Use the code LOCKED to start earning real cash back. Just go to the App Store or Google Play. Download the free Ibotta app. Use the code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. Thank you for making Locked On Celtics your first listen every day. I will be at practice. Celtics practice on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So one of those days, Drew Holiday will be there, and I will be asking Drew Holiday questions, talking to him about coming to Boston. I will also get the host of the Locked On Bucks podcast on here to answer the question. This question will answer it tomorrow. Are the Bucks better off with – Drew Holiday and the team that they had, or were they are they now better off with Damian Lillard and Drew Holiday in Boston? So it's an interesting question, I think, and it's a tough answer. We'll talk to the Milwaukee Bucks, Lockdown Bucks uh, podcast host, Kane Pittman, tomorrow. Let's get back into today. Joe Missoula, he's entering his second year. He gets to hire his his coaches. Um, he's Joe. Uh, Jason Tatum said he looks more comfortable. He looks more confident and super easy to be confident. It's like walking into school. You've studied for the test. Easy to walk into class when you've studied for the test. You sit down and you're like, yeah, come on, let's give it to me. But you're not so confident when you haven't studied and you're winging it. Uh, whether you pass or not, either way, it's the confidence comes from the preparation and he's got a lot of preparation. But he's also had a lot of lessons Let's hear from Joe Mazzulla about the lessons that he's learned. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton, right? Um, and I think we'll be able to talk more about those, um, you know, as the season goes on, saying like, hey, this is what I thought about that last year, and this is kind of how we're approaching it this year. But there, there's been so many. Uh, initially, I would say, um, you know, the differentiating between the beginning of the season, middle of the season. So how you kind of 
navigate different points of the season. And I think you there's always going to be ups and downs. I think each part of the season has a theme to it. Um, and just going back and say, okay, you know, here's why we were this the first 20 games of the year. Here's why we were this at the middle of the season. What were we like post-All-Star break? What were we like uh, the last 20 games of the season? What were we like heading into the uh, postseason? How do we handle each round of the postseason? And so just really kind trying to develop a mindset and a perspective uh, throughout each journey of our season, knowing that we have to, you know, get better every single day and just kind of handle when things uh, go your way and when they don't go your way. So just really excited to have the data available from last year uh, and then being able to pull and apply that when necessary. And then at the same time, being able to just reinvent and, um, you know, express myself as a coach and then allow a space for our team to express who they are and then create a shared identity, create shared ownership um, and a shared vision for where we want to be towards the end of the year. Reinvent is an interesting word for Joe Missoula. And look, I understand a lot of the criticism. The way I put it is he's been thrown into the deep end of the pool and then people criticized his swimming form. And some of that is fair and some of it's unfair. But I'm, I've been very, I've been much more lenient on Missoula than a lot of people. Uh, but that's because of this. That's because of he hadn't had the off season. He hadn't had the time to plan. He hadn't had the time to learn from mistakes. He talks a lot about data and having the ability to kind of go through that and, and, and pick out the, the, you know, all of the things that go right and wrong. You can't do that with one data point. You just can't, you have to have some collection of information. So one season of Joe Missoula is not the be-all, end-all, right? And I, I keep going back to Eric Spolstra. Not that I think that Joe Missoula is going to be Eric Spolstra, but at the beginning, he was heavily criticized. Joe, uh, LeBron James tried to get him fired. It wasn't an easy path for Eric Spolstra to get to where he is. There were articles written, fire Eric Spolstra. Imagine if that had happened. Miami, where would they be right now? Spolstra is considered by far like one of the best, if not the best coaches in the league. So I'm not saying, again, that Joe Mazzulla is going to get there or not, but he's definitely not going to get there if you just fire him after one season. The Celtics were never going to do that. And Brad Stevens has, has leaned into Joe Mazzulla, giving him the types of players that are going to execute a lot of that shooting that that Joe wants. But all of this stuff, uh, and he talks about stuff that is not in the quote that I shared, but he talked about guys being tough and and you, we don't have to be friends. We just have to be, you know, tough and, and resilient and all of that stuff. I think I think there is a little bit of Joe here this season that that is being reinvented, that if the players are on board and listen to him and follow his lead, that he might be preaching more of the toughness that they lacked last year. He might be a little bit more uh, willing to send messages. We'll see how that goes this season. But I feel like there's the potential here for Joe Missoula to have learned from his mistakes. 
he understands. Yeah, I did. I did a lot of things wrong. Did a lot of things right. That's. I think. I think everybody can agree on that. It now you want to do more things right than you did last year. Fewer things wrong, uh, because that's how you're supposed to improve. Your first year doing anything, it's very difficult to be your best right away, right out of the gate. No one is that good at anything in their first attempt at it. Even if you've been preparing for it for a long time, each time you hit that next level, you actually, it's things, things start to speed up around you again. It's like playing basketball. It's no different. You go from high school to college and everybody's as good as you, you go from college to the pros if you're elite as a college player, then you go to the pros and all of a sudden everybody's as good as you. Peyton Pritchard talked about that, how he struggled last year with not playing. And he said, you're the man on every team and you play all the time. You spend your whole life playing all the time. And then you come to the, the NBA and it's like, you don't play anymore. And you're like, what am I doing? It's hard. It's hard. That first, that first time in the seat is hard. Joe Missoula reinventing and expressing himself as a coach. I think, I think there's an acknowledgement in this quote and why I chose that section of his media day availability is there is an acknowledgement. Hey, there's stuff from last season that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that kind of, stuff this year. There are things that I thought were right. I'm not going to do that anymore because you grow as a person. You say, I thought this was right. Maybe it's right in some situations. Maybe it's not, but now I'm either going to be better at it or I'm not going to do it anymore. So let's give Joe Missoula this, this time. This is a critical. I understand this is Boston's basically best chance at a championship, but their best chance at a championship is is going to be with Joe Missoula. It's not bringing in a new coach. It's not bringing in anybody else. It's it's with Joe Missoula. That continuity and all of that stuff with the lessons that he's learned, super, super, super important. So I I've always been willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. All right, up next, the injured guys, guys that are coming into this season with stuff like Kristaps Porzingis. We'll hear from Kristaps Porzingis about what he thinks causes plantar fasciitis. And I'll tell you about Jason Tatum's wrist. That's all next. Want to thank you for making Locked On Celtics your first listen every day. How about heading over to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball feed? Josh Lloyd and the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast have you covered. If you want to win your league, you got to listen to Josh. He's got you covered. That show is as good as it gets. If you got money on your league, if you're trying to win a little bit of cash, give yourself, it's almost like cheating by listening to Josh Lloyd in the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Our injuries, everybody's worried about injuries. So we don't have to worry about Malcolm Brogdon's forearm anymore. That's somebody else's issue. So uh, this, the two things we're worried about, Jason Tatum's wrist, and Christoph Porzingis uh, plantar fasciitis. Jason Tatum said he went and got third and fourth and fifth opinions on, on the wrist. Surgery was not a common answer, so they went a different route. It's as simple as that. He asked multiple doctors. They weren't saying 
in in unison, surgery, surgery, surgery. If if they're not saying you need surgery for this, I'm with Tatum. If you if you don't have to get surgery, don't get surgery. Once they cut you open, man, you don't know what what's going to happen. There's there's a 99% chance that it's fine and maybe it heals something, but you're also risking any sort of complication from a surgery. Surgery knocks you out. You don't know what complications you're going to get from anesthesia. Are they going to make a mistake on the surgery? Is it going to how long is it going to take you out of your postseason routine? All of that stuff. He feels confident in that wrist and We'll have to we'll have to take him at his word for now, and we'll see if it becomes an issue. Um, if you go and you get four or five different opinions, and they are saying, mm, "I don't think surgery is the way to go," then surgery isn't the way to go. Uh, we'll see if they're right. We'll see how it goes. Meanwhile, Kristaps Porzingis is out there playing, practicing, scrimmaging, and he feels fine. So I asked him, "What's what's the deal here? What was going on with that plantar fasciitis? Can you explain what happened?" So I think it started because I changed shoes during the summer. And I, I think that's what kind of got the foot a little bit sensitive. And, uh, you know, I didn't pay too much attention to it. I kind of kept kept working out, kept playing because right uh, the training camp was about to start for a national team. And I was actually in great shape and, and feeling good. Just the foot was a little bit uh, yeah, bothering me. So I told the medical staff and they told me to... Uh, to rest for a few days and and then we just couldn't get uh, that much like progress in such a short time so the smart decision was to be to to sit out and and make sure the foot actually gets to recover before i start the season and that's what i did it was a really really tough decision i know it may not seem for you guys like it was but it was such a big deal for me not to be able to play for my country back um, in the world cup really like hurt my soul so, um, but I knew it was the right decision, you know, um, and, and yeah, and I'm, I'm glad I made that tough decision at that moment. And now I'm, I'm uh, as I said, a hundred percent to, to start the season. So changing shoes and I can see it, I can see it depending on, you know, guys wear inserts and all of that stuff. Their bodies are finely tuned machines. And if any one little thing goes off, uh, especially with a guy like Porzingis, then it, I can see the potential for a new, a new kind of shoe, uh, a new kind of, you know, it's anybody that's worked out. Um, you know, when I, back when I was running, um, I remember specifically, I, I would run a bunch. Um, and then, you know, you try some new shoes and I, I had one pair of shoes, man, I hated those things. Um, running normally running and all of a sudden my knees hurt my ankles hurt i was like you got to be kidding me got rid of those shoes my everything went back to normal it's, i can see it i can totally see it happening um if if that's all set if that's what it was if that's what triggered it and and now everything is is normal great great i still want to see like multiple you know every day you know when i go to practice tomorrow Hey, is Chris Stapps okay? Did he? Yeah, sure. We're going to, we're going to keep asking every day um, or every other day or regularly to make sure that he's okay. Um, but he was very clear, hundred percent, very, very okay. Very ready to go. So the injuries, 
guys feel good. Tatum feels good. And you see all the, the workout videos. I mean, he's out there lifting weights. He's out there deadlifting and doing all that stuff with, you know, his wrists aren't wrapped up. I hadn't seen anything crazy with, with, um, Tatum in his wrists. Uh, Porzingis is out there. He was walking around normally as normally as a seven foot three guy could be out there. Uh, you know, there's always a, in <laughs> every seven foot guy has like a little something, but, uh, He's walking fine. Everything seems good. So everybody's ready to go, man. Everybody's ready. Um, this is the time of season. This is the time of year where everybody feels their best. Everybody's got a ton of promise. Every team is ready to make a big, big push, a big, big run. Uh, and only a few teams get to actually make that run. Boston seems poised to do it. No one seemed upset, I mean, or pissed off that certain moves were made. Everybody seems to understand this is the business. This is how it goes. So the trades have been accepted. Guys seem excited to get Drew Holiday. Guys seem excited for what this season brings. Guys feel good. They feel healthy. Uh, Joe Mazzula is ready. He's got a, a, a new staff. He talked about uh, roles that each staff, each staff member has. And it's not like Charles Lee is going to be on the defense and Sam Cassell is going to be on the offense. He's, you know, they got groups and teams of coaches that work on each thing. So it's more of a group mentality as far as who works in the defense, who works in the offense. It's not one person that does any one particular thing, which uh, is an interesting kind of setup. But Missoula said, you don't want to alienate anybody by having one person that there's a tendency for a head coach to gravitate towards one person who is like-minded when you have a group, you're, you're kind of including everybody. Interesting. You know, it's, it makes sense to me. Um, so that was, um, that was good to hear. Um, it's just a whole lot of promise and a long, long way to go because this is October and we got to get to June. And that's many, many months from now. Uh, was it nine of them to get before we're all done? I will be here five days a week at the very least all season long. Six days a week if they play on Friday. If there's a Friday, Saturday back-to-back, -back, guess what? Seven days a week podcasting for you. Make sure you're subscribed. You're not going to get this level of podcasting, this many podcasts, for your favorite team anywhere else, not with this level of insight. I'm there every day in the locker room, on the practice floor, covering this team. So if you haven't subscribed by now, would love to have you hit that subscribe button and join in the fun. I'm here to try to make your Celtics experience better. I want to enhance your enjoyment of the team. So subscribe, get onto that YouTube page, Hit the comment section. Let me know what you think about the clips that I've played, my my reaction to them. Give me your reaction to them. Let me know what you think. If you are an everydayer, if you're with me on a regular basis, uh, Monday through Friday, love you for that. Thank you so, so much. Now, just ask you one more favor. Can you share the podcast for me? Can you tell your friends? Can you tell everybody that they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network? It's your team. Every day.